to another episode of the Unpublished Podcast. My name is Amy. I'm James. And today we have an incredibly special guest and a really dear friend of mine, Lynn Adria. Welcome to the podcast, Lynn Adria. I'm so glad you're here. Me too. Thank you for having me on. Literally our I'm pleasure. Excited. Yeah. <laughs> so Adria <Lynn> <laughs> is an author. Um, we're going to talk about some of her books that are coming out today. Um, I've also been working with Lee for the past, like, well, I was thinking like maybe nearly three years we've been working it together. It is. It's been a while and I'm like, I'm so surprised. Um, I know. Let me hide that so I can I think it, Lee, yeah. you were one of Amy's first clients. Yeah. That for us was so amazing because you took a chance on us. Yeah. And on all on Amy. And really helped us get everything that we're doing now off the ground. I know you've really been with me through the journey and it's so beautiful. Yeah. Well, you were saying all the good things. I'd, I'd followed you for a bit and been watching you and I'm like, oh, she's like speaking right to me. And <laughs> so then when you started offering to like work with people, I'm like, well, this could be cool. You know, let's just see. And yeah, it really changed the trajectory for me too. So beautiful. big impact. Yeah. Honestly, I'm so grateful for you. Okay, cool. So we've got a few things to talk about today. We've got two incredible projects that are coming out for you. Um, yeah. But let me just ask you, like, how are you feeling? There's been so much going on. You're really stepping into this role of author. How how are you feeling? Uh, I'm good. I mean, imposter, the imposter syndrome is, is real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been fighting that, you know, uh, for a while. So yeah, every time I'm like, I have to talk myself up. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm good to go. And I'm like, yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, who the hell do you think you are? Like <laughs> coming out here telling people any, literally anything, you know? So Yeah. And that yeah. voice can be so strong. But my favorite thing, like maybe one of my favorite things I've ever written as a little love note was that imposter syndrome is a sign that you're leveling up. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's such a clear sign that you are, you know, moving outside of your comfort zone and, you know, stepping into who it is you're meant to be. But it's so uncomfortable. Like, mm-hmm. Holy crap, it's uncomfortable. Very, very. Um, So we're going to start by talking about um, your coloring book and journal. Can you tell us about Deservitude and what you've created here? Yeah, so so Deservitude, you know, I was thinking about like what really was at the root of me even thinking, like where the word even came from. I know, I'm sure I've heard it, you know, in some passing way on social media you know everything's out there um but I just woke up one day and I was like yeah deservitude like this whole attitude of like you know you deserve to have um pretty much any all the good things whether you have them or you don't Mm -hmm. um and I think where that came from was there's a couple a couple of places but um when so part of my story is for those who are like obviously no one knows who I am so Mm um I have two children but my youngest child had been diagnosed with a brain tumor when he was three and so when we were going through that process it was always like there's this religious undertone that's kind of been I think it's a backdrop for so many um especially I would say culturally for black Americans, Mm. there's this religious um, Christian sort of undertone that kind of runs through a lot of our communities. So like you're raised either in the church adjacent to it, but there's always like every part of your life and every part of the struggle in it has been governed or anchored back to some sort of like scripture or, Mm. you know, this, this sort of martyr syndrome that, um somehow makes you like when you're suffering makes you like morally 
just like at your, you like reach this high moral ground where you're like, oh, I'm suffering. So therefore I am Christ-like and therefore I am humble. Mm. And so when I struggle, the struggle is like, it's hard, but you know, it's put upon you and and you're going to be this better person. And I remember being in the hospital and looking at my son who was going through treatment and even at my other son who was also having to now have his whole life change and thinking like, you know, I don't like, we don't want the struggle. No one wants this Mm -hmm. and they don't deserve any of this. No one, no child or anyone deserves to walk around suffering like this. They, they really literally had to do nothing but just be children and they were deserving of all the things. So why did they now need to suffer Mm. to increase their, you know, uh, their deservingness or their, you know, their worthiness of like, they wouldn't, no one says that, but for adults, it's like, oh, well, you know, suffering. And I'm like, you know what? No, I deserve to wake up and like, that shouldn't be the thing that I'm most grateful for. You know, (laughs) waking up was the minimum thing you had to do. Mm -hmm. And I deserve to have way more than that to look forward to in a day. Um, And so I just started thinking about like as a woman and other women and other moms who had kids like I did, who, you know, I became a special needs mom. Mm -hmm. Um, Other moms like me who maybe where they grew up or how they grew up, or maybe there's some circumstances where you know, they didn't have access to all the things or Mm. people who aren't like me, who maybe their bodies aren't safe or whatever the case is, no matter where you were, you don't have to do anything else to deserve happiness or joy or education or financial security or whatever. And I think for me, when I finally was like, oh, well, I don't have to actually do anything else to just like deserve happiness or to deserve to do what I love it really changed things for me. And I think that's what kind of gave me some courage. And so that was what deservitude really kind of meant for me. And so the first thing I created was this coloring book, because when we were going through treatments with my first son, we were just in the hospital. And this was Nicholas's, the process with Nicholas was probably about, well, he lived to be about seven before he passed. I would say a, a good chunk of that time we were either trying to figure out what was wrong or dealing with his diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, But my creativity was kind of, I put it on the back burner and of course that had always been a way I expressed myself Mm -hmm. um, and kind of gotten through stuff. I just didn't, wasn't available to me for whatever reason. I just was consumed with grief and just struggle and hard and scared all the time. But one of the things that I could do was color because they always had coloring pages at the hospital. And so I always colored and that was something I did with Nicholas and with my other son and even with my husband sometimes, like whatever, we would just Mm -hmm. color. And it was calming and it just helped you kind of focus in on just that moment. So the first thing I did was the Deservitude coloring book. Um, And then I just recently finished the journal, which is basically like somewhat of a guided journal, but also free form just full of all of the deserve the deserving statements that I would say to my children and then ultimately then say to myself. So 
I love that. It's like, it's so mothering. And like, as you were talking about at the beginning, like we allow kids to be free of suffering. You know, we want them to be free of suffering. Why can't we be free of suffering? And why can't Mm -hmm. we be deserving just as we look at our kids and think they are deserving. And I love it. It's like, it's like a love letter to your inner child, Lee. And it's so beautiful. Yeah. And and Lee, someone who who hasn't heard about the journal very much before, I know Amy has a bit more than me. Can you just explain to me, Mm -hmm. is it mainly for, is it for adults or is it for any It really, anyone could use it, but I wrote it for adults. I wrote it for, you know, people who were just, you know, seeking to have some time because gratitude journals for me, they've become, I don't want to say they're like, I don't want to dismiss them, but for me, they became very useless because it got to the point where it's like, I'm like, I'm grateful for the sun. I am (laughs) grateful for waking up like it was all these like bare minimum things yeah. and I kept thinking like ugh, like every day just sucks like when is this like I don't feel grateful for any of this stuff yeah. am I a bad person you know and then finally I was just like you know I don't feel grateful because I don't also feel deserving all the time I don't feel like I always should like I got chosen to like you know be here every day and live but I also just don't feel like I maybe earned it Mm. you know and so there was a lot of me dismantling that that yeah. kind of, you know through this process through this journaling process and are the is the coloring and the journal are they two separate things or is it they're they're, two they are yeah two separate yeah ones. they're two separate things but they're you know they kind of go together so yeah they're mm. related so if you want to color you can you know pick coloring book you want to do both you want to journal the journal is more so meant for you to just explore and kind of think about those messages and how they make you feel like when you say I deserve peace or I deserve financial security or I deserve to be happy or to Mm. dream what do those things make you feel Mm. um and just kind of working through that you know as an individual person Mm -hmm. you know walking through those steps and then the coloring book is just to me is therapy just an opportunity to just color and make pretty things and think about and reinforce those mantras and those things it's almost like a meditation space because coloring, I think, can be quite meditative. But when you're mm-hmm. meditating on this idea of deserving, it's like such a beautiful combination. Like, I think yeah. this is like revolutionary. Mm. And I think it's so much more important than these gratitude journals, which have become so viral. And so like, you know, gratitude seems to be like this holy grail of like, you know, living a better life. But you're right. Like, you know, especially when people are moving through incredibly hard times, it's almost like gaslighting yeah. yourself. It's like, well, it got to find something, you know, but what if it's just shit? And what if you don't feel like you deserve anything <laughs> yeah. good, you know? It's it's highly inauthentic, and um, one of the things I found, like even in my writing, and when even when I made these books, I think what I was thinking about outside of myself was also like a lot of the people that I've run into along the way who've been in this journey with me, like who've been along this same path, and talking to parents who, you know, their children are dealing with what we dealt with, which you know, unfortunately, is a terminal brain tumor diagnosis. It, mm. it just where where's the gratitude like where would you find the ability to be grateful like Mm. at some point you're just sitting in the crap of it all and you're saying well look this was put upon me I didn't add there's nothing I did like what could you possibly have done to have ushered this into your life and brought this into your space this something happened to you Mm. um and so it's happening to your child and you have zero control over the outcome of that but you're still feeling wholly responsible for the outcome of that for the occurrence of it, maybe the way you found out or how long it took to learn Mm. what this was or whatever. And then to top it off, 
all of your inadequacies, everything that you um, lack is now in a spotlight. Mm -hmm. If you lack financial security, that's on spotlight because you've got to be able to provide medical care and care for a whole person that you're trying to save. And if you don't have finances or access to those things it's very difficult to be present for that oh my god Um, and in the usa of all things of all things you would think (laughs) um you would just think and you know you're you're trying to also then if you have other children parent them you're dealing with your own insecurities if you are a if you are a shy person it can be very difficult to advocate for your child. Mm. So it's like everything is there. So now on top of that, you want me to be grateful that I woke up yeah. to this crap? No, I'm not. I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I was enraged is what I was. So, yeah. you know, and I had a right to be. Of course. And like, where do you put that and how you process that? And like, we're just not taught to, especially when we come from a culture of um, idealizing suffering. Mm. Um, yes. so I'm interested in yes. what it's it's been like, like what challenges you faced by kind of going against this cultural norm of suffering is paramount, suffering is honorable, suffering is holy. Like what, uh, is, what has it been like to move against this very strong narrative? It's been challenging. So like one of the things that I will never forget is being in the hospital with my son who at this point, um, I think we were, we knew or had an idea that that we were not going to be successful with treatment. And up until this point, I mean, I had been inundated with religion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, ha- I went to church. I, I am a Christian. I, I do believe in God. Um, and we went to church faithfully. Nicholas loved church. Like we mm-hmm. would go, he loved the music. He loved the, the feeling of it all. Like it was, it was a, a beautiful experience. But underneath of that, the messaging that gets reinforced, which is basically suffering is okay. You know, this, some of these things, it makes it very difficult for you to process what you're going through. And then to also feel like you even have anywhere to turn. You're supposed to be able to turn to the church. For Mm -hmm. me, it was a lot of like, pray more, you know, pray harder, pray this way, pray that way, speak against this, speak against that. And I'll never forget. I mean, when I say exhaustion, I just don't even know how to tangibly explain anyone how exhausting it is. You don't sleep. You're tired. We've been in the hospital probably for three months, living there in a room, sleeping on a pallet on the floor, you know, and maybe getting three to four hours of sleep a day. It is, there's no greater torture, you know, than that. Mm-hmm. At least for me, it wasn't. And midnight, a family member, like a sister family member shows up at the hospital with another family member and calls me down to the lobby because they can't come inside to pray and then to lecture me about how I what I need to do better to further protect my son and at that point you're just like are you kidding me like Mm -hmm. it's just like you're already hopeless and then like that just takes it out of you because you're like I can't do anything I can't pray right. I can't, mm. I can't cover him. You know, I can't cover myself. Like what can, you just feel helpless. Mm. And so for me, as like we moved through that process, it became very easy to push those people out and to separate myself from that kind of dogma because mm. 
it was that or we weren't going to survive none of us I mean because what are you going to do walk around the whole rest of your life trying to like spray it away this doesn't work Mm. believe me it doesn't work because no one prayed more than I did I bet yeah huge um I guess like we were in such extreme circumstances that the boundary that you had to put up was like mandatory like you as you said you couldn't have done without it like you just had to put it up had no choice yeah and people that weren't supposed to be around us have just kind of fallen away Mm. good (laughs) (laughs) yeah like see um how has creating these beautiful books, the coloring book, the journal, how has it like impacted? I mean, I'm guessing it, it's been transformational for you, but how has it impacted you as a creative and as an artist? It's beautiful. I'm, I'm just so excited to see them. It's empowering. It's scary, mm-hmm. um, but it's empowering. I mean, you know, you know, like when I first started working with you, it was like trying to figure out what I was trying, like how I was going to create, like how mm-hmm. was I going to do this? You know, I want to create full time and I was writing my book and trying to struggle my way through that. And just so many obstacles came up, yeah. you know, in the process. So, I mean, I feel really proud of myself that I was able to do this. Um, it was a very challenging process for me because it just was so emotionally charged. But yeah. yeah, I feel really good about it. Like, it's giving me a lot of confidence to keep doing it. Yeah. Now, putting it out in the world is like, uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> Something that I am just in awe of Lee and like having worked with so many creators is like Lee gets it fucking done. And I see (laughs) an ambition in you and like a drive in you that I see in myself. And like, I look at all that you have planned and all of the creations that you know you are here to, to make. And it's just so exciting. And I actually kind of tempted to talk to you about like, so you have, you know, the Deservitude um, coloring book, you have the journal, and then you have so many other projects on the go. Like you are just like, you are prolific. And I believe you're here to make incredible amounts of stuff, Thank which you. is so generous. Um, how have you found giving yourself permission to really like d- dive into all of it? Um, Cause I just love it. Like, I think so many creatives really just feel like they've got to focus on one thing at a time, but you've been so good at like allowing yourself all these different avenues. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much credit I can take for intentionally being in all these different avenues. I just think that sitting in some of this stuff is so uncomfortable sometimes. I like, I'm like, let me just go do this. Let me make a coloring book. <laughs> I started making the journal and I was like, I'm going to make a coloring book instead. Because like, it, it was it was a lot. Like, it brought up a lot for me. And yeah. I also like worry about, um, I'm very, con- not, I don't want to say concerned, but I, find, I think it's important for me, and I've taught this to my son as well, is like, when you're creating, you, I want to create responsibly, because of the type of community of people that I do come from, like, so I, I try not to like over pressurize myself, but definitely want to be like responsible with the message. So I'm always like double checking myself, like, I don't want to be preachy, because I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you what worked for me. And I can tell you, having sit, sat in some of these difficult places and coming from the experiences I come from that these were things that actually changed my life. Like, mm. you know, aside from being like a creative, I also have like a non-creative full-time job. And, you know, I was struggling in that job yeah, and struggling financially, all those things. And it literally was, I made a decision and the skyrocket that my career took and my finances took were very much a direct impact of me having a willingness to like you know work through this stuff but like hop around like I had to intentionally move that forward intentionally move this book forward you know mm. so I think I just get uncomfortable or bored 
and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go over here and do yeah. this and do that. But I, the discipline that I've had to start working on, which working with you is what helped me mm. with that is to go back and to like, don't leave it that's the key over there unfinished yeah and I, th- I think I mean this is just something we're such big believers in were you about to say something sorry no, no. um I just think that like we can do this thing where we hop around project to project because it is like we're doing such vulnerable stuff and like having different projects to lean on is so useful the one thing is is finishing it which is why yeah. I'm just so excited to see Deservitude and your other book you know coming out and actually being there because it's so beneficial working on multiple things especially if we want to be full-time yeah. creatives because there's a di- dichotomy right it's like stagnancy and there's too much stuff yeah. and it's finding yeah. that happy middle point it's like I'm not just sitting around waiting for stuff to happen but at the same time I'm not just burning myself out by doing everything yeah and avoiding yeah. finishing anything by having like tw- yeah you know, and, a dozen. And finishing exactly yeah. yeah yeah I have to drag myself back like sometimes I'm like you have been off of this too long go back just get it yeah. done and I try to set deadlines too like you know I'm like I have a deadline this was supposed to be finished so it's like I recognize that that's coming mm-hmm. and taking that seriously that's been the thing you know I mean like that's making that is as important yeah. as the other job yes. <laughs> this yeah. one's not giving me a paycheck yet the other one is so it's and, easy to be like oh well that paycheck is way more important yeah. than this but if this is not the only way I want to keep you mm-hmm. know supporting myself I got to make this as important as that if not more yeah we were talking about this in the in the inspired collective last night that in your in non-creative jobs you have kpis and you have a manager and you have people who you're reporting to and stuff and you can just tick things off tick 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 whereas when you are doing something creative often you are your own boss you're your own you have to set your own kpis and then if you don't hit them then it's like well actually you've got to kind of trick yourself into thinking there are consequences (laughs) right because like who's gonna hold you accountable right it's like you gotta hold yourself accountable i I know it's it's hard one of the biggest challenges for creatives is like taking yourself seriously enough to you know set these goals meet them to you know finish to you know it's just such a big thing because there's no one watching us because there's no structures in place we it's it's so challenging to take yourself seriously and you are just like I feel like you're leading the way here Lee and just following through and I'm just following a lot of people (laughs) no you're out you're out out the front and I'm just I'm so I'm so proud and excited for this okay let's talk about brother's day out can I just say before we move on quickly yeah. I just very late coming in here because it's taken me a while to get my thoughts together on this but just thinking about gratitude and I'm, no, I'm also you know as someone who has had no great tragedies in my life I still find gratitude to be a little bit like it just it doesn't really work that much for me like I, mm-hmm. I find I try and say something I'm grateful for at the end of my journaling every day but it just sort of seems like as you were saying Lee it's just it almost becomes robotic at a certain point yeah. like you just yeah. like but something I'm, gra- I'm grateful for. And I'm really just, I'm super fascinated by this idea of deservitude. And, and I think that, for, I think I'm going to be someone who benefits from this book a lot. Yeah, I agree. Because I've been searching for something like, a, I've bought gratitude journals in the past. They've done nothing for me. Um, I <laughs> do it in my journaling. They've done nothing for me. So I'm just really excited. Yeah. I think far more than we need, uh, I, this is controversial maybe, but I think far more than do we need a more grateful world. We need a world that believes they deserve good things, mm. you know? like I, I agree. Know, and that's more important, yeah. I think. I completely agree. I think that that is a message that travels across so many groups of people. Mm. Um, and I think it is something that impacts equity and it just impacts this, so many things I'm passionate about but yeah I I totally agree with that yeah I absolutely love it all right let's talk about brother's day out so tell us about this book baby I'm so excited so um brother's day out I'm excited about this book too um brother's day out is actually based on a day that 
we used to do for uh, my level that my oldest son, Austin, Augustin, as y'all will get to know him at some point. We will. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, he would do uh, facilitate for his brother. So when Nicholas, um, when he was in uh, diagnosed with his, uh, with a brain tumor, over time with the course of treatments and just kind of the toll that's taken on him, he became what I guess many would consider chronically ill and then special needs. And so there's all these protocols around, you know, like he can't see, be around people like when he's in chemo or in treatment. Um, when he would come home, we'd have limited ability to like have him around people. And if you think about that with children who um, are special needs, like you have kids who, like aside from having, you know, chronic illnesses, also have disabilities or developmental challenges that uh, force them to socialize differently um, than maybe what we would consider average or normal. Mm. And it can make it very difficult for them to have a normal childhood experience. And so for Nicholas, he wasn't going, Nicholas wasn't going to have a normal childhood experience. Um, and so one of the ways that uh, we were able to remedy that was with Brothers Day Out. And so what that would be is often would plan a day of all of Nicholas's favorite things. And I was a facilitator because, you know, got to drive and pay for things. Yeah, mm -hmm. mama. And uh, so we would have that day and Nicholas just loved it. Like he was so excited for this day. And so when I thought about what I wanted to write, I knew I wanted to write a children's book. When, like, when that came to me that that was what I was going to do, that just popped into my head. And I was like, it's the perfect story because it's an opportunity to demonstrate to others how they can maybe create experiences for children um, with their siblings or even their peers where they can create and facilitate moments that are within their realm of ability, within their mm. zone of comfort. Um, and oftentimes that, and which will take into consideration like all of the challenges that they're facing. So like mm. Nicholas couldn't maybe be around 20 people but maybe we could go to the bookstore when it wasn't mm -hmm. so crowded and we could, you know, look at books and have that moment. Like we had to figure out what we could do with him. Mm -hmm. um, and so Brothers Day Out is just an account of the day. And then also recognizing that Austin or the older sibling is also going through something and that they have a right to have other friends outside of this and to have experience outside of this. Um, but that day also created an opportunity for me to check in with with mm. Austin to say how are you feeling about this mm. what is it why what is it you want to feel on this day like what is it that you need help with what are you struggling with mm. um you know because it's his brother who's going through this and a lot of times I find that siblings either completely check out um because they're feeling neglected or they may feel overly responsible like Austin felt like he was also Nicholas's parent so then he becomes responsible for his care and his well-being mm. and you know and unfortunately sometimes that's necessary um yeah. but also this was an opportunity to create a more normal experience for them to be just brothers, brothers and just have fun yeah. together and not worry about feeding tubes and whatever let yeah. I'll do that you guys just plan the day and then let me help you figure out how to facilitate it so that's a brother's day out really is a, a story of that of Austin Nicholas and other kids like like them I love that. Um, what age is the book for? Like what age group? I mean, I'm going to be I would say, buying it for myself. I, <laughs> I would say age like five to eight is a good Beautiful. range, but yeah. you could probably age up. Um, yeah. I would say even up to 
like nine, ten, just in mm-hmm. terms of like parents looking at it as a as a, like as a template or a concept or an example yeah. um, of, you know, a way to create. And it doesn't have to be a full day. Maybe you create a moment, um, mm-hmm. even in the classroom. Maybe maybe you're struggling with, you know, uh, compassion and empathy within, you know, an integrated classroom where you may have a child who is learning differently or and maybe you create a moment you know, Mm -hmm. where the kids get an opportunity to plan something, Mm. you know, and then within that, they're getting a better understanding of, you know, what makes this other child special or Mm. what the challenges that they face and develop some kind of empathy for that. That's really something that I think is extremely important. It's extremely important. I think so often in fiction, the sibling relationship is either underdone or it's made very antagonistic. And there's not a lot of exploration of, I love stories where, because I have a very close relationship with my little sister. I'm 10 years mm-hmm. older than her. Um, and I felt in a lot of ways, like I did participate in the raising of her. Don't see a lot of that reflected in stories. Yeah. I see a lot of yeah. really kind, loving, um, and having that be the center relationship of something. It may be it's yeah. a side relationship, or as I said, maybe they're enemies or maybe they're rivals or, um, and, and yeah, I just, it's I so, love it's that. So it's beautiful. so beautiful. I also remember yeah. as you were creating this, Lee, you were talking about how this is a happy story about two black kids and how important it is that we mm-hmm. see the, these stories and they're not yeah. infiltrated with trauma and it's not, you know, about protecting yourself. It's just enjoying like two little black boys having the best day and how important that yeah. is, you know, to have out there. Yeah, it's really important for me, like all the every all the books that I will create, like where children are centered, I will center black children, I will tell their stories, but I don't want to center them in trauma. Like, that's just not my lane. I'm grateful for the people who do it. Um, but I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to deal with that um, mm. in my fantasy world. Yeah. And I also think that it's necessary. Like I grew up loving Dr. Seuss and like, Wayne the Pooh and I don't know just like anything I love to read so like growing up I love the fantasy of all the books and I just loved it It was so fun and exciting and unfortunately I didn't see myself in them Mm. so that's a whole other conversation but like (laughs) I didn't see myself in them and so when my kids came along and I'm reading to them I default to Dr. Seuss because it's like you know just care like yeah the characters characters yeah 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 so we're reading that and Wayne the Pooh and I found like you know, sometimes it can be hard to make the connection, yeah. you know, for them to be like, you too can live in a world of fantasy and dream and be anything you want to be. And it's like, mm-hmm. great, but where's the demonstration of that? Yeah. Um, where's that example so that it just becomes an ordinary thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so for me, it's important to create that. And this does, I believe that this is what, what that was for me too. A hundred percent. It's so important. And we're so grateful for you. I, mean, I think it's also a very bold choice um, just from a craft perspective, because having conflict is the easy thing to do in a book. Mm-hmm. And often the difficult thing to do is to try and create something that's resonant and dramatic without it being conflict. Mm, and yeah. it's 99% yeah. of books just default to conflict, conflict, but there are some, I think starting to be more and more, a few beautiful examples of hopeful stories. Hopeful stories. Beautiful stories. Yeah. 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 Like so I, I think, I think the conflict in Brothers Day Out is that Austin is trying to balance friendship and mm. his brother. His yeah. brother can't play with his friends. Yeah. And so I think that is at the crux of it for him. But mm. it's also really more so about him showing his brother that in spite of that, you're still most important to me. Yeah, I love still love that. you. And we're still always going to have fun. And like we come back to that. So there's a little bit of that in there. But of course. yeah, I agree with you, James. Like the the whole... I don't, I don't see it a lot either. Like Austin and I, I talked about it with Austin before I wrote it. I'm like, you know, are you okay with me telling this story? And, you know, in this way. And um, 
you know, we talked about that and he's just like, yeah, you know, I don't see a lot of like brothers where they're like black brothers, where it's not some sort of, you know, struggle happening, mm. you know, where they're like fighting for their lives or in the streets or like, yeah, someone's yeah. In jail. you know, like it's yeah. just kind of all that stuff. And so I'm like, yeah, well, okay, let's, let's write about it then, you know, let's tell our story. And I feel like what you're revealing there is this, the truth, like the more deep human truth is that conflict can exist in the small moments. And like conflict, yeah. as you said, isn't adversarial necessarily. It can be about two people, two people just navigating, navigating something. something. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love this. Yeah. I'm so excited. Definitely. Um, and you've hear, you've written here as well, at the other side of the wall. What is this another book? Oh my God, Lee. No, Prolific. so that's my non that's, that's my nonprofit. <laughs> oh. Sorry, you got too yeah. many projects. We can't keep track. <laughs> You're like, what is this one? No. I was like, no, I, that book. will be a book. That will be a book when I finally write it. Um, that will be the nonfiction, oh you know, God, the memoir. Incredible. But yeah. Other side of the wall, yeah, that's the nonprofit we founded um in memory of Nicholas. And mm. so it's been around going on geez, eight years, maybe mm. nine. Um, and so we use uh, within there are the foundation of uh, other side of the wall is art therapy it's and so, so cool. a lot of the fundraising efforts or awareness efforts everything we do is always tied to the arts and so that's um one of the yeah that's our main our that's main incredible. Like, foundational cool so we'll piece. make sure that we put like links to that so everyone can go, yes, and, yeah. go and have an explore because like so cool like this idea of using art to heal the world just like sets me alight and I love that that's what you know so much of what you do Lee is using he's using art and creativity to heal a broken world it's and, so beautiful and even that image of you well, in the you. hospital doing your coloring in as well oh my god yeah image, so powerful I just oh I love it so tell us thank um you. okay anyway hold on I'm not finished why children's books did you just what did you want to just make sure that your like these little kids felt seen I'm just interested because I know I've worked with you predominantly on adult fiction yeah so you know, I struggled so much with the book, the original fiction I came to you with to write. Mm. And I got to a point where, I mean, I was struggling anyway. So the pandemic mm. did a number on us. Like we, we got rocked by COVID. You did. <laughs> um, in spite of following all the protocols, we got rocked hard. And so um, it took a while for all the impacts of COVID to kind of show up after we had it. Mm. And so when I was coming out of that, like literally there was a period of time where I couldn't really walk. I can't like explain, I can't explain what happened, but I had to go to physical therapy to walk. Um, and so there was a lot of just like, gosh, I'm so beat down. I'm exhausted. Yeah. I really can't see myself. I finished the first draft of that book mm. and I can't see myself getting back into it because it's such a deep and, and hard story. Mm. I just cannot go put myself in another deep heart place. Yeah, I'm yeah. struggling in the real world right now. Mm. And so I started thinking and I was like, you know, I, I got to do something. Like, I can't not move this career forward. Like, I have to do this. And I, like, it's been like, I have got to come up with something. And I don't know why or how children's books came to the mm. forefront, but it just all of a sudden it was there as like, well, why don't you look at children's books, you love them so much. Like that was where your whole love for reading and books came from, was from children's books. Yeah, I love that. And so I thought, well, all right, I'll give it a shot. Mm. Um, and it just so happened around the time I decided that I'd seen one of these like free online classes, write a children's book in five days kind of thing. And I'm like, mm. yeah, right. <laughs> but I was like, whatever, anything that like a kick in the butt to just even start. 
so I got in it and like I don't know it just was it was just right timing Mm, um and so that was how it came and that's how I got into it and then when I did get into it I became very intentional about what I was going to write and what type of characters and stories I wanted to center Mm. Mm -hmm. do you have a a new kids book that you've got brewing do you I do (laughs) (laughs) yeah I do I have a couple, but yeah. uh, the one that I really am excited about is Hopewell, the children's mm-hmm. book. So oh, I know it's going to be so a little Augie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Amazing. So where can, when are these guys out? Like when, let's talk to Servitude first. When, yeah, where, so give it to me. Where is, so my website should be up in like a week or so. Okay, um, so I'm looking to do like an official launch of them by Christmas day so December 25th beautiful that's so beautiful amazing and then what about Brothers Day Out all of them on the 20th Brothers Day Out yeah they're all going to be there because you know what I've had the coloring book for a while like it's ready yeah normally you're not supposed to launch all the things but I'm launching all the things because I got to move on (laughs) 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 I got other stuff I got to make so that's often been that's been our are um haptic usually as well it's just like just get a library of stuff out there it's so good and then you you know look at you've got like a, you have a little library so i think people like to come to websites and see a few things on them yeah options yeah yeah, options. yeah. um i love so all this. the things are being launched <laughs> December we, could even, um, we could even keep this podcast yeah well we can um bank it and we can release it on the uh wherever the monday closest to christmas is yeah that's great so yeah, we could say right perfect. now, and this is also going to put the pressure on Lee. <laughs> you can buy these books right now <laughs> as yeah. you listen to this podcast. Yeah. Go, we'll put you, the link. Yeah, on. that should be fine. I mean, look, they're out there. My website's the thing I'm trying to get together. So yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we'll communicate, but it would be beautiful if um, when this podcast launches, you, they can get their hands on these books because they're so important. Um, and yeah. I also want to just flag anyone who's part of school communities, like this book, Brothers Day Out, is important to get into schools mm. um, wherever you are in the world. Um, um, you know, so please, if you are a member of a school community, whether you're a mom or a teacher or, or, you know, a parent, just, you know, this is important and incredible and a beautiful story that needs to be told to many children. Thank you. What's next, Lee? Thank you. So uh, on to fiction, back to my fiction novel writing dreams. Uh, so that's next. Beautiful. Um, so I'm heading into the contemporary romance arena because I also still just want to have fun <laughs> not ready to travel back this. to the dark places I will go back there but I'm not ready yet I just um, really want to quickly just jump in to just talk about something really quickly Lee you I feel like as I've worked with you you've gotten so good at choosing ease and choosing joy and I think for a lot of creatives a lot of people just and again it's that addiction to suffering it's that suffering is that is the highest and like even though in religion it's oft it's also like idealized I think in creatives it's also idealized the suffering is. artist is like yeah. the the best artist and yeah. you have been met with so much suffering in your life and then you choose when you choose your creative projects you're choosing the joy you're choosing the ease like when you know you were absolutely fucked by COVID you didn't say fuck this I'm done I'm just going to sit in my suffering you chose no I'm going to choose the easy path I'm going to choose something that brings me joy and you created children's books and here as well coming to that contemporary romance space you know it's beautiful and I think we have so much to learn here from you Lee like that is just such a beautiful way to and I think a really successful way to build a creative career is constantly choosing what brings joy constantly choosing what brings ease because we deserve it 
Yeah, we do deserve it. And honestly, I mean, if I'm being honest, like a lot of that permission that I initially needed to do that, I got from you in our conversations, mm. in your journals, mm. you know, your guided journals. Those were that actually the first one. And now I'm not going to remember the name of that one, Amy. I'm sorry. The compendium? But you have two. The compendium. Mm. You had, there were the first two that you released. I bought them both oh, yeah, and I yeah. did them both. They were hard for me. And, but honestly, like coupled with sort of our conversations, that mm. permission, I had not seen that before. And that was something for me, like, I often wonder if that's cultural too, because mm. I think like, I just, I don't know. I just didn't think I had permission to make coloring books or mm. think about something other than the way that you're supposed to do it, which is you have to write an amazing novel. Mm. You have to have, you know, a literary agent pick it up and then you have to go and get a traditional publishing deal. And then you're going to be on the New York Times bestseller list. And that, my friend, makes the you a validated, <laughs> validated writer, the only way. And then when I started looking into what you would actually have to do to accomplish that, specifically as a Black woman, mm. I became angry. I was pissed because I was like, so I've been duped this whole time. It was not an option for me. Mm. So like, no matter what I was going to do, I could have done all the things. And I still would have had a very slim, slim, slim chance of that being my story. Mm. And that made me mad because it was what held me back from it for so many years. Yes. So talking to you and even like having the conversation about, oh, well, you know, you could just try this other thing. Have you thought about trying this other way? That led me down a path of asking more questions of, well, why can't we do it this way? Why does it have to be this way? Why can't I? And then I got to the point where I was like, well, why do I need a publisher to like me? And why do I need someone to tell me I'm a good writer? I'm going to have to do the work mm -hmm. and then, you know, become a good writer. But I don't need anyone to like give me permission to go. Yeah. And so that was something that I think I gained through that experience with you. And I think people who, you know, have an opportunity to should jump on that if they haven't already. <laughs> Get into those journals. <laughs> yes, thank you, Lee. Um, but yeah. I mean, I needed that. I'm so glad it's been such an honor working with you. Um, I love this. And now look at you. Look at all that you're creating. Like, and and without that permission, without realizing that there were there's so many more ways than the one way we're told. Like, we wouldn't be getting all of this work. So tell us about this contemporary yeah. fiction that you're diving into. I know that you're still in the process, but I just want like a little taste because I love, I love it. Yeah. So. Um how much of that can I say so based on the industry that I currently work in yeah based on the industry I currently work in is the backdrop for this um I'm going to again I'm still sorting out like the types of characters that I'm really actually going to put in here but I'm centering strong women mm. and you know that's at the crux of it and then hopefully powerful and strong relationships I also want positive male figures mm. um and so that's uh, kind of the direction I'm going down, but I'm hoping to generate a series that has the, you know, the, the ability to kind of birth more series and more, you know, things I can write in that will help mm. build the foundation for me to be independent as an mm. artist mm. Um, and do this more full time so that I can also spend more time in my nonprofit efforts mm. and in the effort of kind of pushing forward, you know, more of these, uh, the impact to children 
you know, through through children's books and, and telling those stories. It's so good. It's so delicious. You just have so much to give. I just... <laughs> I die. I'm so excited to have another conversation with you in two years' time. I know. See all the other stuff. I'm scared, like but yeah. <laughs> a Linadria library of just like the most incredible creations, and also what you do with your son, with Augustine, who I also work with. Like just the stuff that comes out of you too. Like I cannot. Like I find it really hard to. Um, express it but like I have the most incredible amount of faith and belief in what you guys are doing and I'm so excited to see where this goes like just we appreciate um, that definitely <laughs> you're I one of the few people who understands it so it's like <laughs> 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 that's the other part it's like the people around us are like what are you doing they don't get it mm-hmm. um that's hard. Like, I don't explain it anymore I'm just Good. kind of you know shifting through I'm just doing what I'm doing I don't yeah. have time I had this like I was listening to someone speak about imposter syndrome and about like procrastination, like all these things, like you talk about it so beautifully, but this person has said, um, we, you know, if you have a calling, if you feel you have a calling and I do feel like, I feel like everyone has a gift or a calling or something that they're uniquely supposed to bring to the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, It gets buried under all of the crap. So, you know, some of us, it's just like getting out of that is just a long process. Yeah, yeah. We have to even realize we're buried. For me, I didn't even realize, Mm -hmm. you know, I had to come to the realization that, oh, wait a second. A lot of the stuff that, you know, I had to go through wasn't all my fault. Like I didn't generate all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like Some of this (laughs) stuff was already here and I had to go through it. Yeah. Um, But see, someone was asking and saying, well, I'm afraid to, you know, to really put myself out there. And she was like, well, you know, you know what, that's a fair thing to feel. But so what are you going to just not do it and not help all these other people because you were scared, do it scared. And, you know, you have a chance at least to impact somebody in a positive way. And that just really resonated with me. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, so I'm going to have to just do it scared because I'm not feeling any other emotion here. Like, I'm just like afraid to (laughs) go for it. So I'm going to do it scared. So I guess in two years when I talk to you guys, hopefully I'm not as frightened. (laughs) To be honest, like I'm still pretty scared and like, I feel like the fear is always there. It's just like learning how to take care of yourself. And you, I think that's something that I was reflecting upon this year. And I was like, what have I gotten better at? And I've I've gotten so much better at taking care of my fear. Mm. And, um, you know, like I developed like an anxiety disorder last year. And I think it was just from being constantly very afraid of what I was doing. Cause like, again, artists, like we're just so sensitive. We're so vulnerable. We're doing such scary things. And I think rather than getting better and better at not being afraid, I'm still very scared all the time, but I'm much better at, at taking care of myself. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's super interesting. And it's mm-hmm. such a big journey to go on. Um, yeah, huge, huge. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. Um, I just want to ask as our final question, unless James has any questions. Go ahead. Um, how do you take care of little baby Lee? How do you take care of yourself? How do you mother yourself? How do you take care of, you know, that inner artist that is afraid? Like, do you, what do you uh, do? Naps and... Um, <laughs> Good. I love take it. naps. <laughs> I sleep with necessary binge watch. Um, Part, you know, I've had to over time, I think, and I'm still working on this, is build up the right types of support around me. Yeah. So one, I had to make, you know, the people around me who are in my circle aware of the fact that sometimes I just need you to leave me alone. Or sometimes I need you to just tell me you're doing good. Like, you know, it's yes. going to be okay. I got you. You know what I mean? Or 
just listen, make room for me. My energy is a little, I feel like I'm, I'm, I don't know, sometimes I'm overly polite. Like I have to, my energy has to be invited into a space before I'm not going to just like interject myself into something. I'm not, mm. I don't have that kind of bah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. off the bat personality. So if you don't make space for me to say, Hey, I'm struggling, mm. I, you know, that's so interesting. Then mm. Probably won't say it, you know? So the people that are like closest to me, um, and then, well, and as you mentioned, Augustine, my son, he's kind of like my creative partner in crime He is, and all things, which I'm very blessed to have that with my son. And so like, even today, when I was getting ready for this, he was like, all right, relax. It's <laughs> fine. You're just talking to Amy. It's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, and he knew to do that. So yeah. that was, that's one thing. The second thing is I have to more so like I'm good at like taking to the bed and going to sleep if I need to what I really mm. need to do is like not do it for so long <laughs> sometimes I'm like I'm gonna lay down on Saturday and like Sunday I'm still like binge watching and I'm not doing the things I yeah, need to do so I've gotten better about like cutting it off and like mm. hey go do something because then I'll feel worse Sunday night because I didn't get anything done god that balance um, is so hard yeah so it's pretty not balanced but I think that's how I take care of my I've learned to be better about taking care of myself it's just mm. like and then also recognizing going into a crazy week that I'm going into a crazy week so I'm just gonna plan that on Thursday I'm not doing anything yeah good. I'm just gonna rest and I plan that you know so that I yeah, don't I completely that. burn out and go off the ledge on Friday and it's too hard to think of it in the moment because you're exhausted and like you're it's coming at you and then pre-planning a busy yeah. week is something I definitely need to get better yeah, at me too <laughs> like this yeah like crazy, if you know busy. it's like, crazy yeah you should plan according this like, week is busy and we haven't put it in anything I've not done anything it's just nuts anyway it's okay well, yeah. after, <laughs> the, after this we'll plan it <laughs> after this yeah. plan a plan a rest day plan like a break like ah, yeah. I'm yeah. like break for today yeah oh, thank you Liam I mean, this was amazing. Is there anything you feel like we didn't touch upon that you would love to talk about? Is there anything we missed? No, I mean, thank you for having me on. It's great talking to both of you. Um, this was pretty, pretty cool. Like, it's like, you know, it's cool. Like I'm talking on a podcast about <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stuff that I made in my yeah, house. You are. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't wait to have you on when your other novels come out. Like, I just can't wait to watch you flourish and to see you you know be author which is so so who you're meant to be and we're just so grateful we got to chat with you yeah and just a reminder to everyone that all of lee's details for her website will be in the description of the podcast so please just scroll down check that out and go buy all the books yes all right thank you so much for being with us guys today we will see you thank you talking to you both